This is Dr. David Whitlock with your Monday morning wake-up call, the podcast designed to help people wake up to the possibilities that surround them every day and become the person they're meant to be in Jesus Christ. Today, the first Monday of September is Labor Day, and I hope you can enjoy some time to relax, take it easy, even if only for a little while. I didn't think much about the meaning of Labor Day when I was growing up. In junior high and high school, we didn't have class that day, but we still had football practice. Later, when I was in college, Labor Day marked the last day to make a trip back home before the semester was in full throttle. Why do we have Labor Day anyway? The first Labor Day was September 5, 1882, but that was on a Tuesday. It wasn't until 12 years later in July 1894 that President Grover Cleveland finally signed into law legislation creating a national day holiday to be celebrated the first Monday in September. So the first Labor Day on Monday was September 2nd, 1895. As you might guess, like the other Mondays we've looked into in this It Happened on Monday podcast, the history behind the Labor Day holiday is far more complex and dramatic than we might realize, and knowing that may help us observe it in a more thoughtful way and, dare I say, a more relaxing way. It's no mistake that the first Labor Day occurred in the midst of the Industrial Revolution in the United States. We need to remember during that time of economic and social transition in America that the average American worker labored 12-hour days and seven-day weeks in order to eke out a basic living. If you were poor or an immigrant or working in industry, your condition could be worse. You would have likely labored in unsafe working conditions in a stifling area of work with an insufficient access to fresh air, horrible sanitary facilities, and few, if any, work breaks. Even though some states did have laws protecting children, many didn't, so Children, often as young as five or six years old, worked in those same conditions, earning a fraction of what the adult working next to them would be making. As far back as the 18th century, employees had begun to form labor unions for their own protection. Those unions grew more prominent, better organized, and increasingly more vocal through the 19th century, particularly in the late 19th century, the late 1800s. So the first Labor Day was part of that movement. On that first Labor Day, the big news wasn't that workers relaxed by the pool or were grilling burgers. It was that 10,000 to 20,000 people joined a parade through Lower Manhattan organized by New York City's Central Labor Union. That was the news on September 5th, 1882. This is a quote from the New York Tribune. The windows and roofs and even the lamp posts and awning frames were occupied by persons anxious to get a good view of the first parade in New York of working men of all trades united in one organization. So in May 1886, the growing tensions between labor and capital exploded into violence during a protest rally in Chicago's Haymarket Square, later referred to as the Haymaker Riot. 
Eight anarchists were eventually convicted on murder charges and four were executed. Meanwhile, other cities had followed New York's lead in holding Labor Day celebrations in early September. In 1887, Oregon became the first state to make it an, uh, an official holiday with Labor Day. And by 1894, 22 other states had passed similar legislation. So in 1893, during a nationwide economic recession, George Pullman laid off hundreds of employees and cut wages by 30% for many of their remaining workers at his company, which produced railroad sleeping cars. At the same time, he refused to lower rent or store prices in Pullman, Illinois, named after himself, uh, that city or town, the company town of south of Chicago where many of his workers lived. So you have this big industrial magnate taking advantage of his employees. At least that's the perception. The workers walk out in May of 1894. In the following month, the American Railway Union and its leader, Eugene Debs, declared a boycott of all trains using Pullman cars. Well, it brought the nation's commerce and rail traffic to a halt. Leaders of the railroad industry then sought help from the federal government. On June 29, 1894, some crowd members attending uh, Eugene Debs' speech in Blue Island, Illinois, only 16 miles south of Chicago, set fire to some nearby buildings and derailed a locomotive attached to a U.S. mail train. Bad mistake, U.S. Attorney General Richard Olney used that incident, after all, it was a U.S. mail train. He uses that incident, incident as an excuse to ask for a federal injunction against the strike and its leader. The following day, President Cleveland dispatched federal troops to the city to enforce that injunction. Well, Illinois' pro-labor governor, had already called out the state militia troops to prevent violence, he was outraged and called the government's actions unconstitutional. What happened next was disastrous. With the arrival of federal troops, the Pullman, Pullman strike turned bloody, with some rioters destroying hundreds of railroad cars in South Chicago on July 6th and National Guardsmen firing into a mob on July 7th, killing as many as 30 people and wounding many others. Even as Pullman Company and railroad workers were striking, Congress went ahead and passed legislation in June 1894, making the first Monday in September a federal legal holiday to recognize and celebrate labor. And Cleveland signs the bill June 28, 1894, a few days before he actually sent those troops into Chicago. It was a way politically for him being supportive of labor unions and yet at the same time putting down that strike to please capital. Wow, the peaceful Labor Day we celebrate on the first Monday of September was birthed in a context that certainly wasn't peaceful nor quiet. Labor Day is an achievement of the labor movement, a movement that fought for the rights of laborers. The achievements of the labor movement Things like an eight-hour workday, two-day weekends, it reminds us of the success of that labor movement. The labor unions, by pushing for laws to limit workdays and provide for safer working environments, were so much a result of that. Christian leaders did have a role to play in the emergence of the labor movement. 
After the Haymaker Riot in Chicago, Henry Codman Potter, an Episcopal bishop in New York City, issued a statement to the clergy in his diocese entitled, The Laborer, Not a Commodity. And Charles Stezel, a Presbyterian minister, not only ministered to the working class, but was himself for a decade a machinist. He worked tirelessly to sensitize his denomination to the labor movement and convince working people that Christianity was friendly to them. Those two men and other ministers as well were aware that America was going through a time of social stress and upheaval as a result of the industrialization of this nation. For us today, we as believers should be keenly aware that on this Labor Day, some laborers, workers, are still exploited and things are far from perfect in America. According to Pew Research Center, the wealth gap between America's top 10% and bottom 10% has widened. In some ways, it appears that the rich are getting richer and the poor, poor. At the same time, we are experiencing something new, the fact or at least the perception that the work ethic in America is declining. Greg Brown, president of W.W. Canning in Dallas, told the Wall Street Journal that despite offering wages up to $30 an hour, quote, you just can't find people. People aren't willing to come to work, end quote. Refusal to work is something new in the United States. If this is a trend and not a temporary glitch in our national psyche, it would appear that the Christian's challenge is twofold. Uphold the dignity of the worker and insist on justice in the workplace. But also to honor and encourage the very idea of work, which the scriptures affirm time and time again. For all of us on this Labor Day, We can heed the words of the Apostle Paul who reminded his readers to work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. I hope you can do that this day and live that and come back here next week. And in the meantime, go out and be the person God has created you to be.